0: Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform, Huddle.Care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders, and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening, and let's get the show started. Hi, welcome to Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. This is Dr. Maggie Perry, here with uh, my client Stephanie. So in the last episode, Stephanie and I described, or talked about her past with OCD. She's had OCD uh, for a number of years in a number of different developmental stages with different content areas. Today we're gonna focus on what's happening for her now, uh, both what, what's going well for her and where she gets stuck, and then what type of techniques help her surrender to the therapeutic attitude of acceptance. So Stephanie, let's just start with where things are for you now.
1: Okay. Um, So recently what I've been struggling with the most is um, like just right OCD and relationship OCD. So that's what I want to talk about.
0: Great, can you tell us more about, can you be more specific about Just Right OCD and relationship OCD?
1: Yeah, um, so with the Just Right OCD, um, most of it is like around things in my home, being a a specific way or in my classroom, because I'm a teacher, Um, but since like, with everything that's going on with coronavirus, I'm not working in the classroom right now. Um, So I'm working from home. And I noticed that a lot of times I have to have everything perfect or like just right in order to even sit down and get my work started.
0: Yeah. And so to just give a little bit more context for the listeners there, what we mean by just right content or not just right content, also known as NJR, is when someone has a feeling that things have to go a certain way without any feared consequence. So it's not as though they're afraid, for instance, that someone's gonna die or something catastrophic is gonna occur if they don't do their compulsion just right. It's more that it just feels very uncomfortable. And as you're saying, Stephanie, not having everything perfect makes you not even want to sit down and get started because it, um, you're having a not just right feeling.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Can you, can you say more about what types of things need to be just right in order for you to sit down and get started on work?
1: Yeah. Um, like everything needs to be in its place. I would have to do like all the dishes probably fold all the laundry and make sure everything was, like, in its spot where it's supposed to be. And, like, any, like, loose ends done. Even, like, other kinds of, like, little errands that I have to do. Like, I can't leave the house right now. But um, any, like, phone calls or, like, just things on my to-do list, I feel like have to be done before I can actually sit down and do my actual work, which is what I should be doing first before all of those other things. So that's what I'm struggling with.
0: Okay. And do you notice that that's happening in real time? Or is it not till afterwards that you notice that you avoided things because of the not just right feeling?
1: I noticed that's happening now because you helped me <laughs> um, through like being in huddle to, to realize what was happening in the past. I yeah. yeah, I didn't know that that was happening. Um, but yeah, so now I know that it's happening. But It's, I just find it so hard not to do it. And it's, it's weird because with other um, compulsions, like um, with some of my other, like OCD themes, the main compulsion is ruminating. And I think I have done a really good job at like letting that go. But this, I don't know why it's different, but I have a really hard time not doing it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, let's explore that a little bit more. Can you, can you tell, if you were to get started on something before everything else felt just right, what would you think or feel?
1: Um, I would feel, I guess I would feel like I was being irresponsible, even though like doing my actual job is the responsible thing to do.
0: Yeah, what, what feels irresponsible about not, making something just right.
1: Um I think a lot of it is um like I just feel like it's putting it off until later and that things will just build up and pile up um over time and it will just make it harder to do in the future so I always kind of just feel like it's easier to do something right away. I guess.
0: Okay. But is there also perfectionism in that? Yeah. Like if, it's, if it's building up, is it because you have to do it a certain
1: way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, Like the other night I, I was able to like watch TV with my husband without doing all the dishes because I knew that the next day I would have time to do the dishes in the morning. Um, but if I was go, actually leaving the house to go to work, I wouldn't do that. And I was thinking about what the difference was, and I kind of was thinking, like, um, I just know when I get home from work the next day, I would just have to do it, and I wouldn't want to do it then, which, like, I don't know. It sounds logical, but I can tell that it's my OCD.
0: Yeah, you can tell that it's too much. How can you
1: tell? Uh, I think part of it is just that I know that other people don't don't worry about that so much. Mm-hmm. That's one way that, that I can tell um, and just I guess the feeling that I get if I don't do it.
0: Yeah that's a great point. The other cue is procrastination. So if it if it feels like once you haven't done something in a while now it's really really hard to get started that's like a Q. So if, if perfectionism and procrastination are two sides of the same coin Um, needing to do things, something perfect makes you vulnerable to procrastinating that in the first place. And then once you start procrastinating, it gets harder and harder to live up to your standard of doing something perfectly. Um, Mm -hmm. So we still, I'm still up for like striving towards excellence, but using a different strategy when facing thinking around like perfectionistic thinking would be to say, doing something a good enough job actually helps me do it consistently over time because I don't have to do it perfectly, but then I also don't procrastinate it. Does that resonate with you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Practicing doing things good enough. That does resonate. Um, I I can see when I do that and sometimes I am able to do that and then I'm proud of myself. So I just need to work on doing it more, especially now since I'm home and I have more opportunities to practice.
0: Yeah. That sounds like a good attitude. Um, do you want to say more about what the feeling is when it's a, when there's like a just not just right feeling?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is kind of just like, I feel like I can't relax and like let my mind relax. Like, I, I feel like I have to keep reminding myself of something. Like, I make a lot of lists, too, in my phone um, to remember things. And that started at a young age. Um, it, like I, it started because my parents were separated, and I would have to remember to bring things to both houses. And my dad would get angry at me a lot if I forgot something. And I think he actually came up with the idea. He's like, why don't you just get, like, a planner and write things down? So I was like, okay, and I would get pretty anxious about it because I didn't want him to get angry at me. So I would write everything down, and that has just continued. And if I think of something, I immediately have to write down. Then my mind feels kind of free to relax. But if there's, like, something I haven't done or I haven't written down, I feel like I have to keep reminding myself, like, oh, yeah, I've got to do that, like, because I'm so anxious that I'll forget. (laughs)
0: And and you can tell that's that's reached kind of a clinical level. It's not just kind of normative responsibility around obligation, but rather you're afraid at any point that if you don't write something down and that you don't remember, then you can't relax.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: ha- have you tried to do any exposure around that?
1: No, not yet.
0: Okay. And how do you feel when you think about doing exposure to that?
1: Um. <laughs> nervous like i think when we we had talked about this but it was a while ago and i was like telling you that i um sometimes write down on my to-do list to shower (laughs) and then we were both like i probably don't need to do that so for a while i didn't put it on my list but i think i've started putting it back on
0: what do you feel when you remind yourself that you need to shower
1: um like if i put it on my list how do i feel yeah Like, like I can relax Then I know everything I have to do and it's all written down and I don't have to worry about forgetting anything. Okay,
0: yeah, but you're, you're really, really trying to capture everything, even things that you're doing automatically.
1: Yeah. Like luckily yeah. I don't put like go to the bathroom or anything, but yeah, yeah.
0: you're not that far off from the no. like.
1: bathroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So can you see how that might actually erode your sense of self-trust? Like there's a part of you or your OCD is saying the only way that we can relax is if we know with certainty that we're not gonna forget. But you're actually not giving enough credit to your memory and you're kind of undermining your self trust about your memory by like, um requiring that you write everything down. And so an act of self-trust would be to say, these are things that I'm likely gonna remember. Um, And maybe I I still can use my list, but it sounds like you've, like how can you tell when you've hit excessive list making? And especially excessive list making as a Mm -hmm. compulsion. Can you feel the difference between lists that are helpful and when they're excessive?
1: Yes yeah like today i had a list in my phone but then i wrote it down on a piece of paper (laughs) so that was probably excessive what did what did it feel like
0: when you took it from your phone and onto a piece of paper what what was driving you to do that
1: um i think because in my phone my list was so long and i wanted to like narrow it down to the things that actually had to get done today so maybe that was actually good (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I see what you mean that it your, even your list in your phone is no longer useful to you because it's so long. And even though we started out talking about not just right compulsions, it actually sounds like we're talking about fear of forgetting at okay. this point, um, which is totally fine. Um, I think a, it could also excessive list making can totally be a not just right compulsion also, that it just doesn't feel right if you don't capture everything. And it also could be fear of forgetting. Does um, one of or both of those resonate with you
1: well I didn't know that fear of forgetting was the actual thing on its own so yeah okay.
0: yeah and are you I assume from what you're saying that your fear of forgetting like the bottom line is like I can't I can't relax as long as I'm afraid that I might forget something
1: yeah yeah, I can't relax if I th- yeah, if I think I'll forget something or if I think that something's not done.
0: And that's how it relates to the not just right or the just right kind of cleaning and making everything orderly. Yeah. Okay. So, whether so you can kind of choose your adventure about what exposure you want to do or you could do both, but anytime you allow the dishes to go unwashed or you allow something in your house to be not completely orderly or you think of something either on purpose or it happens to arrive in your mind and you don't write it down. These are all times where you're showing yours and then what you would want to do from there is let yourself relax while you're feeling incomplete. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay
0: yeah that makes sense. Yeah so it makes sense theoretically. Can you imagine how that would actually go in your
1: experience? Um Like I think it will be hard, but um, I think I can probably just do the same thing that I've been doing with other exposures. Um, Just say, like, maybe I will forget and sit with the feeling of uncertainty and, like, sit with feeling uncomfortable.
0: And why is it worth it to do that?
1: Um, I think it's worth it partly because – Um, I've learned that, like, working on any part of my OCD or doing, like, any kinds of exposures will all um, come together and and help the other, like, more painful parts of my OCD, I guess. um,
0: Can you expand on that?
1: Yeah, like, I guess more shameful, like, when I have intrusive thoughts about being a pedophile or, um, like, sexuality. Um, harm OCD and things like that are more painful and and shameful for me so I think um, doing exposures with these other parts of my OCD will help me to learn to be more comfortable with uncertainty which would help in the other areas.
0: Yes, I completely agree. I couldn't say it better myself. Um, I'm glad that that feels really motivating for you. Some, some people feel kind of daunting, like it's kind of daunting to notice the pattern of OCD in a number of different areas. But if you flip it in the other direction of like, oh, it's actually all the same process, I'm having an unwanted intrusive thought and, and a feeling in response to that thought. And so if I can... Um, Figure out what the feeling is and what the thought is that triggers that feeling and then rather than doing something to make it go away, I'll like trigger it on purpose and allow myself to get comfortable with it, then it helps with any other intrusive thought that also triggers that same feeling. So if you trigger the feeling of incompleteness or uncertainty on things that are more benign, like, you know, whether or not showering is on your list, then it helps you with your harm content also.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think the intrusive thought is, what if I forget? Sounds like it. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. It's just like a um, new learning moment for me because I never realized that. So maybe I've just been having that intrusive thought all the time for like years and I never realized.
0: Yeah. And it might not have been a what if. It might have been just, I can't forget this. Mm hmm. But it actually where that starts is, what if I forget? Then I can't relax. And so then your mind has come up with like, I can't forget. And this is what I'm going to do in response. So now that you stop doing the responses as compulsively, you're probably going to have the thought, what if I forget? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're going to try to treat that like OCD.
1: Okay. yeah can I just say the part that's really hard? Sure. Of course. <laughs> um, the hardest part is that like for my whole life, I've been praised for it. <laughs> like society kind of praises you. Yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that up. So, Yeah. It's just hard like to stop. It feels like a habit. I mean, all compulsions probably feel like a habit, but, um, um, like, often people are like, oh, you're so organized, or like, I don't know, your house is so clean, or, yeah, you, I don't think people ever say you never forget things, that would be a weird thing to say, but, um, like, <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, even my dad, what for the speech he did at our wedding, he was talking about how, like, I've always made lists, and I've always been so organized, <laughs> and, like, it's one of the things that, people see as like a really positive thing. So that's partly why I think it's so like ingrained in everything that I do.
0: Yeah, so, so I mean, detail-orientedness, um, organization and conscientiousness are often attributes that people that also have OCD commonly have. So I like to think about this as like OCD is hijacking the value that you, are, you already have. And so detail-orientedness is a value that you have organization or is a skill set. Organization is a skill set. And so we don't want to, we're not going to try to make it so that you're never organized or that you're not detail oriented. We're just trying to undermine the part, the OCD, the way in which the OCD has control over this feature of your life. And so I would start off with the silliest stuff you can come up with. So the part of, of your list that is like, you know, I have to remember to shower or any other task that you do every day, no matter what. Um, that's where you'd want to start in terms of not tracking that and then kind of poking fun at your OCD if it gives you a feeling. Um, you can also start with like, anytime you have the urge to do something more than once. So if the same task is on either more than one list or it's in the same list mm-hmm. more than once because it feels really important, that's really a cue of like, um I'm doing this because of the feeling, not because the list is actually helpful to me. Um, I also think with not just right compulsions you can start with stuff that's relatively benign or silly, Um, like starting with not doing the dishes perfectly right after dinner is a great place to start. Um, But I'm wondering if other, as I'm bringing this up, are there other features of the list making or the not just right compulsions that are like pretty silly or benign that Mm -hmm. will be easier to challenge?
1: Well, when you were saying that, I was thinking like I have multiple lists in my phone, and some things are repeated on more than one, so things like that.
0: Yeah, that would, yeah. and I think at, if you go with like I'm only gonna have one list, um, you might notice that it's really that you might notice that sometimes when you feel anxious, you have the urge to make another list. Mm -hmm. rather than take action on one of the tasks and catching that might be a game changer for you.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are all really good um, suggestions for like exposures I can start with.
0: Great. Yeah. And just, and start there and see what you learn and you don't have to do that perfectly either. It's all just like data collection and learning. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a good place to start. Do you want to say more about relationship OCD?
1: Yeah. Um, so last week, um, my husband and my daughter and I were on a um, like family vacation, um, and we were staying with some friends. So that was just hard in general. Like living with people that you don't normally live with is hard. <laughs> so, and they have little kids as well. So it was just kind of after a couple of days, a stressful situation. So I started to notice. Well, at first, I didn't notice because I find with relationship OCD, sometimes it's hard to catch it. Um, So at first, I didn't notice that I was being like really sensitive to everything that my husband said. Um, But then... Just
0: for the listeners, I just want to clarify what relationship OCD is.
1: So relationship
0: OCD is an unwanted intrusive thought about that typically revolves around themes like what if I don't love my partner or what if my partner doesn't love me? when it's not a relationship issue, when some part of you deeply knows that you love your partner and they love you, and you're not actually having a relationship issue, your mind is just feeling uncertain about the possibility that there's a relationship issue, and then it grabs onto that and kind of pings you anytime there might be any version of any kind of conflict. It might say like, oh no, is that a problem? Is that a problem? Is that a problem? and it's kind of looking and scanning hypervigilant for problems um looking for stuff that's potentially not there does that fit your experience
1: yes definitely
0: okay so tell me more about what happened
1: mhm um i was just being sensitive to everything that he w- said um uh, like a lot around like um our daughter so if he would say anything like why do you, like, if he said something about, I think it was, like, why do you let her do that, or something like that, um, I took it immediately, or, like, my OCD took it, I was, like, he's comparing me to the other two moms, and he doesn't think I'm a good mom, and I'm not a good mom, and then, like, really spiraling, and, like you said, like, he, he doesn't love me, um, and a couple, like, it probably went on a couple of days, and then luckily i realized that it was my ocd and once i did i was able to use what i learned last summer and that helped a lot
0: can you say more about what you mm-hmm. learned last summer
1: mhm yeah um so um yeah like i've kind of noticed that different my different themes have different feelings which is interesting <laughs> even though um it's all the same kind of, like, the uncertainty part of it, but, um,
0: well, uncertainty is probably only one of the feelings, so it makes sense that you also, you have uncertainty plus another feeling, so can you say more about the variation in feelings you have with OCD?
1: Yeah, I guess when it's related to my relationship, um, maybe because I have, like, some thought-action fusion about it that I start to feel, like, my husband really doesn't love me and that we're going to break up. Um, So I guess I also feel like sad and angry Mm -hmm. when, and like feels like something like way bigger has happened when really it's like a few small things that have added up to like this huge feeling. Yeah. So I want to
0: wanna say just thought, action, fusion is having the thought feels like it's happening. So thanks for using that term. But that's having the thought, he really doesn't love me, we're really going to break up gives you the feeling of sadness and anger as though that's occurring, even though nothing has happened that would make it make that true.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, so I guess. What I realized was, um, well, luckily he said we were alone and he said, just like let out how you're feeling because I was holding in my tears so much. So once I did that and had a good cry about it, that was a huge relief. And I instantly felt a lot better. And then I just said to him, it's, it's nothing to do with you. It's just my OCD. And I didn't, Expand anymore because I learned actually a lot about that over the summer. That the best thing for me to do is just to say that and then let myself sit with the feelings and not try to ask him any questions or like seek reassurance from him or do anything past that. Like, after that, I'm just like, I'm not going to talk about it or bring it up for the rest of the trip. And that was my goal, and that works.
0: (laughs) Wow. I'm really happy to hear that. So first off, it was a beautiful example of sitting with the feelings. So when you feel sadness, you often want to cry. You just let yourself cry, even though rather than judging, like, is this worthy of crying or not worthy of crying? You just said, I'm having the feeling of sadness. It's okay to cry. That's wonderful. Then what helped you stay committed to not getting reassurance Mm -hmm. the whole time or talking about it the whole time?
1: Um. I guess it's just what I learned from the experience in the summer, like, for uh, so many weeks, what I was doing was not working. And then once I stopped, um, like, we both just forgot about it. And and our relationship kind of healed from there. Um, (laughs) And I don't know, like, how I came to that realization in the summer, but I kind of was like, I just have to stop. I'm, I'm like, if I don't bring it up for a few days, he'll probably forget about it and we'll move past it. And that's what happened.
0: Well, it really speaks to like, there wasn't actually an issue. And that's what's yeah. happening with relationship OCD. It, the, you're feeling uncertainty about the possibility of a relationship issue, but there's actually no relationship issue at all. So if every time you have a intrusive thought about the possibility of a relationship issue, you just allow the thought to be there, allow the feelings to be there, let yourself cry if you need to, but otherwise redirect your attention. You find that there's no issue in the relationship, then the relationship goes, moves forward. And then it's like evidence that there's nothing wrong and it's easier to heal from that. Does that fit your experience?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was like, Um, me trying to seek certainty and reassurance was causing an actual issue (laughs) so when I had that realization I think in the summer that I was like if I just stop then there won't be an issue Um, that's that's what helped and um, and then we just started to get back to like what we were like before and like what we used to talk about I guess it felt like in the summer we had got so wrapped up into like this issue that was made up of nothing but started to like snowball Mm -hmm. um that I felt like we weren't able to talk about or do things that we used to do but once I kind of just like was like okay I'm gonna sit with this um and talk about other things I don't know if I'm explaining it well but it just passed so I I remembered that and used it last week. And um, then I was just really proud of myself for remembering that and and sitting with my uncomfortable feelings.
0: Yeah, you really used your, your own progress to help yourself out in the present moment, which is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um,
0: how can you use that progress in that content area to help inform your not just right compulsions related to what if I
1: forget? um i guess just try letting something be out of place or letting something not be on my list and even when i feel really uncomfortable and uncertain about it or like out of control um letting those feelings be there and and redirecting my attention or like doing something that's value-driven
0: yes I completely agree and is there anything that you so um, all of this sounds like a really good plan um, what do you want to commit to in light of our time what do you want to commit to for the next time we talk
1: um, I guess since since I'm home for the next couple of weeks Um. Yeah. I want to commit to leaving my bed unmade. Okay, good one.
0: What might you feel if you leave your bed unmade?
1: Um, I'll probably feel like it's hard to relax or, like, get anything else done or move on to the next thing and really, like, focus on the present with my daughter. <laughs> Okay.
0: And I think one thing that you might learn from the last time is, uh, or from the, the relationship OCD content, is that at the time you probably thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be totally preoccupied with this fear if I don't get reassurance about it. And also, once you committed to not getting reassurance, it might have been difficult in the beginning, but then it got easier and easier as you saw yourself go back to your normal life. So same, Mm -hmm. same will probably happen here. It'll probably the first day, the first three days, the first six days, maybe it'll feel like, Oh my gosh, if things aren't all taken care of, I won't be able to relax. I won't be able to redirect my attention to the present. It's not worth it. I might as well just go do all those tasks. Mm -hmm. And if you hold on and let yourself not have everything perfect. Really, it doesn't mean that like in the future, you never make your bed. It's more just teaching yourself that things don't have to be perfect for you to be able to relax and be present. And because of that, it's gonna challenge perfectionism. It's gonna make it so that it isn't as hard to get started on tasks. And you're not gonna have to make these excessive lists that um, to try to like uh, convince yourself that you're gonna get everything done, which is very anxiety driven rather it'll increase your sense of self-trust.
1: Okay. Yeah. That all makes sense.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds great. So then we'll, we'll talk soon. Um, Have a good couple weeks.
1: Okay. Thanks, Maggie.
0: You're welcome. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategies shared here. Thank you.